is episode 296 for April 2014. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our April regular gang show. We've got uh, George on the line. What's going on, George? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> That's Bailey's line from last month with the Fat Albert theme. By the way, that was epic, sir, Mr. Bailey. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, any April Fool's jokes pulled on anybody? Uh, we did one on the site. That's about all I... Yeah, yeah, the the Hulk, the Hulk smash space. That was. Funny. I, uh, I I hate April Fool's Day with a passion, and considering what happened last year on April Fool's Day, I wasn't really in the mood to kind of joke yeah. around or celebrate. So, <laughs> and so it was it April first. Your wife got in the accident. Yeah, it was on April first last year. Oh man, that's awful. Yeah, it's been a shitty year, uh, <laughs> and that will be the only time I swear on the podcast. I promise. I just there's, <laughs> three, and there's no other way to put it, honestly. Yeah. So, all right, let's get uh, to a couple thank yous before we get to the um, the regular show. I was going to do iTunes reviews, but we haven't had any since February. So, gang, I would like to read what you think of the show. Just go to iTunes and write us up a review. We have 60 of them at the moment. I'd like to get into triple digits. Also, I want to give a thanks to Craig, and I apologize if I'm getting your name wrong, Jovel. J-O-V-E-L-L. They uh, donated uh, a couple bucks through the front page, uh, through the PayPal donations to help keep the site online. They said, I agree, uh, a podcast is worth the price of a comic book. So here you go. Here's three ninety nine. So thank you to both of those guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got a lot of news we're going to plow oh through. Oh, my God. It's a lot of news. And the first bit of news that I was so happy about, George is going to take this first topic. Peter David is going to write 2099 again, Spider-Man 2099. Tell me all about this, George. Uh, Good day, Spider-Man. Yeah, it, you know, leading up to this, yeah. there had been a lot of rumors going around that we were going that Spider-Man 2099 was going to have his own title. Bleeding, uh, Bleeding Cool, uh, you know, uh, had a lot of stories up about it saying, you know, could this, you know, a lot, I think there were two, you know, saying, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And then Peter David came out on Twitter and said... Uh, no, you know, I am not attached to any kind of Spider-Man 2099 thing. Sorry, if you want that to happen, please let them know. So, you know, people were like, well, damn, you know, you know, the, I, I think exactly, people, yeah. people were kind of upset. They were like, you know, I, I think fandom kind of reacted with, okay, well, whatever it is that you're going to give us is going to suck compared to this thing that we actually wanted. <laughs> so how about you just make that happen? Now, Peter, I thought Peter David was being coy. You know, I was hoping that Peter David was just being coy and that he was actually working on it, but he didn't call it 2099 since it's actually set in Marvel 616 or whatever. Right. So, um, but then, you know, we, we found out uh, last, let me see, I guess a couple weeks ago that. Came March, March 27th yeah, is when it came out. That, yeah. uh, sure enough, we're going to get a Miguel O'Hara centric Spider Man title uh, starting in, I think, July. Yeah. And uh, Peter David swore up and down on his website. He was like, I, I, when I made that tweet, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't kind of playing with I, – I honestly was not attached to it. And then they, they contacted me real quick after that. He said he's only known like two weeks prior before this has been right. released. So. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited too. I mean I wish they could have gotten Rick Leonardi back to do the artwork. Yeah, I haven't seen Rick Leonardi in a long I know, time. I know. I think he went to D.C., didn't he, Bailey? Uh, Rick Leonardi? I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. <sighs> I'm trying to remember. I, I don't You're, really remember anything that he really did over at DC. 
I know he drew She-Hulk for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did Spider-Man 2099. I don't remember a whole lot of DC work that he did, but I could be I could just be blank Here, at the moment. If you, if you believe Wikipedia, his uh, work was on Nightwing from issues 71 to 84 from 2002 to 2003, and on Batgirl, he drew 45 to 52. Oh, yeah, I, I, I remember yep. that now. I just... Okay. I, I think, when I think of Nightwing, unfortunately I don't, and it's nothing against the artist, I really, I just think more of Chuck Dixon than anything else, so. Uh, he also did Superman's Returns prequel number three, Superman 665 and 668 in 2007, and it doesn't look like he's doing things since. So, oh, Vigilante, volume two, number one to four, uh, up to yeah. 2010. Oh, uh, yeah, when yeah. Superman was just missing deadlines like you wouldn't believe. God, that was a terrible time. And, and of course, uh, he did the uh, great uh, Cloak and Dagger, uh, Brad, oh, which yeah. you and I are Bill big Matt fans Lowe. of yeah, back in the day. Yeah. He has a very unique style, so it would be nice if if somehow he could get back and do a couple issues of the new book. But the new artist is going to be uh, – oh, let me see who it is. Um Oh, I can't find it in the press release. Let's where do you remember who it is, George? I do not, and I'm trying to find it right now. Will Will Sliney. Yeah, yeah. He did he did Fearless Defenders and Superior uh team up. He did a couple uh pencils on the front page that looked promising. I I, I like the I, art. I saw so. some of the, his uh Fearless Defender stuff and you know, he yeah, yeah he's he's solid. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, is or not the problem, but I, I shouldn't say problem. Uh, what I'm looking most forward to out of this is, is to see David write long term yeah. on pulling Miguel into the now and getting out of that 2099 universe and seeing what Miguel would be like here. I, I'm really curious as to what that's going to be like. And actually, I'm more excited about that than Peter Parker coming back. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the Captain America thing from the 60s. This uh, a man out of time. Yeah. So it's a different take than his first volume. So, I, I'm down for it. Bailey, you going to pick this up? What's your thoughts on? Did you read it back in the '90s? Uh, no, I caught up with this. I read like the yep. first. Tw- I got like the first 25 issues out of a at a, at a, at a convention box, uh, like a dollar box, uh, and read the first 25 issues. Loved them. Yeah. Like, just absolutely loved them. I, I thought I never really went beyond that. Uh, I've always kind of meant to. But it seemed like from issue one to the revelation in issue twenty five, you know that it's just such a complete story that I'm that I'm kind of satisfied with what I got. So, but no, I love twenty ninety nine. It it kind of uh, went off the rails a little bit <laughs> towards the end when they flooded the world and he was on the lost island, and then that one shot that wrapped it all up that was with the cosmic. He turned into something cosmic. I forget what happened. You guys remember that? No, it's been a while since I. Uh, it's it has been a while, but I remember it just ended horribly. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm glad that the book's back. Uh, I'll be picking it up. And George, you said you want to review it on the front page. Yes, so. I'm. That's that's one that I'm going to review on the front page as well as the satellite. So. All right. All right. Uh, moving on to another bit of news, Michael. You've got this one. Every damn person that ever wore a spider suit's coming back. <laughs> For, for this, and it, it seems like Marvel is uh, kind of hedging their free comic book day bets on this uh, beautiful preview image uh, coming out uh, that they released with it uh, of just basically all of the different costumes and iterations. Uh, I think there's a bear in there at some point. I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Um, the, one, the one I was amazed at is that Betty Brant Spider Girl from a rare What If issue. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
Well, it's kind of hot. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, from the press release this November, prepare, prepare for every Spider-Man ever. Marvel's yeah. proud to announce Spider-Verse, the biggest Spider-Man story of the year, from New York Times best-selling Spider-Scribe Dan Slott and blockbuster artist Olivier Copiel. Uh, kicking I like off, his stuff. yeah. Oh, uh, I, I've always I liked his stuff for years. Uh, kicks off in Amazing Spider-Man number nine with a lead-in story in Free Comic Book Day. God, Slot likes to lead off in Free Comic Book Day, doesn't he? He does. He did, he did big time or one more. Yeah, uh, big time. The hell it was. Big time. That's right. Yeah, big time. Uh, no, um, the one with, where where they're like, hey, is that Mary Jane? And it turns out no, it wasn't. Oh, and brand, it's brand new. Brand day, new day. Then. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. Peter Parker, Miguel O'Hara, Miles Morales, just basically everyone to stop a seemingly insurmountable superpowered foe. Uh, Morloon, an incredibly powerful villain that no one really gave a crap about, has returned. <laughs> With, uh, the, the personality of a ham I, I really just, you know, I, I did not have a whole lot against JMS's run. Just every time more Loon showed up, I just lost all interest. So, Well, the only good thing about that story, I think, is how brutal a fight it is by John Rita Jr. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, art-wise, art uh, I think I think it's some of uh, J.R.J.R.'s best work with the character. Yeah, but art uh, is not, not giving it Yeah, it's not, it's not going to save you. It's just like, yeah. you know, I, I kind of feel bad for Peter David that, you know, he he's cursed with having to deal with crossovers. He gets the Spider-Man title, and the first thing he has to do is oh, participate in a crossover. So it's just... <laughs> I won't. I won't be surprised if uh, the new Spider-Man 2099 gets pulled into a crossover at some point. But no, uh, it, you know, May, May 3rd is Free Comic Book Day, so we're going to get the preview, and then we have to wait till November for it because announcing stuff this ahead of time is how uh, comic companies roll. That's true. Uh, excited, George? What do you think? Oh no, absolutely not. Uh, this kind of yeah. thing, and, and Brad, it's something you and I talked about a little bit last night. Um, you know, it just it it dilutes Spidey mm-hmm. to have all this. You know, it, it takes away from Spider Man from just Peter Parker, uh, who we haven't you know who we haven't really had in the books now for over a year. So I I, I don't I question the timing. Um, I think it's something that they're they know that after sales you know fall off after the forced variant sales, um, which I think are like half a million now. Um, that's going to fall off. There, there's not going to be half a million Spider-Man readers. There's going, to, you know, and it's going to fall off very quickly because I, I think they, you know, they know people are going to quickly see. Well, it's Dance Law and it's doing Peter Parker, and you know, it's not what we really look for. You know, superiors over now. So I think this is just supposed to be the next spike to try to make the numbers look better than it is. You know, since 1984, since the black suit, has any other character had this many identities? I mean, the, does Superman have this many alter egos or variants of him? Uh, well, you had the four right after the death. Yeah, we got slingers to compare to that. Uh, so, uh, it's always my little amusing comparison between 90s Spider-Man and 90s Superman. Right. But, um, I you think know, you have to consider Grundy one, don't you? Didn't Grundy like his venom or something? No, it's not. <laughs> Grundy. What the hell are you talking about? What? what? Don't poke the bear. I mean, come on. What are you doing to Bailey? Sol- Solomon Grundy was a gangster. Not Solomon Grundy. I'm, no, no, no. Uh, Bizarro. What am I doing? 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're right, and I'm an asshole for saying that. I didn't. Uh, no, I meant Bizarro, not Solomon. Uh, well, I'm Bizarro, Bizarro is kind of a different thing. But I, I wouldn't consider Bizarro his venom. I would consider. See, the the thing about Bizarro being Superman's opposite is that, unlike you know Sinestro or the Reverse Flash or Venom or the Red Skull. You know, while it is like I have all the powers of Superman, Bizarro has been played from everything from mindless zombie rampaging monster to kind of comedic character. So it's it, it's not like I have all the powers of Superman and I am evil. It's I am basically, you know, the short bus Superman and I don't know really what to do with myself. So I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, I think just by the nature of the different costumes and the different versions of the character that popped up, you know, 2099, that kind of thing, I, th- I think he, he might hold the record. I mean, when you look at the uh, the poster for this thing, you could do that with Superman in a yeah. way because there have been so many different takes on the costume artistically over the past 76 years. But it wouldn't, and and you could do like you know it's the Earth One Superman, it's the Earth Two Superman. You have the old, you know, Earth Three, you know, so you can do that. So I guess he would be the only one that you know outside of maybe Batman that I would throw into that. Plus, you know, you got Spider Woman in here, Spider Girl, and all their iterations yeah. as well. So yeah, you easily got the same thing over there, Superman. Is there any Spider person that you're anxious to see, fellows? Uh, that Spider Ham. <laughs> Spider Ham, yeah. I, you know, not really, just because it looks like you're getting everybody. So there, there's not like, you know, I like Spider Man 2099, but I'm getting him in Superior Spider Man. So it's not like, you know, he's coming back and I'm all excited. So. The uh, the Spider Girl, uh, May Parker, I missed the daily, the month, not the daily, the monthly dose of her comic. So it'll be nice to see her. Back. Also, uh, why not Scarlet Spider? Or no, uh, Ben Riley. Ben, Ri- ben Riley Spider. Because fans have been clam- <laughs> fans have been clamoring for that one for years, George. Yeah. You know, it's a, a small section of fandom has been clamoring That's for his return. That, they're very I, damn loud. I'm, I'm not. I'm not insulting them. I'm just mm-hmm. you know kind of putting it into perspective. I mean, Spidey dude. You know, yeah. and, and and the crew notwithstanding, who love the character and you know grew up with that. Uh, but that was, you know, just a snapshot in 50-some-odd years of publishing. Right. So, I mean, again, not insulting it, but just saying, yeah, it would be cool to see him there, but it's not like, ha- you know, like everybody who has ever read Spider-Man just is just loves that character. Because how many people stopped reading Spider-Man <laughs> during the 90s Clone Saga? Right. No, man, that was his brother. <laughs> Let's move on before we tick off the clonies. That's what I'm going to call them. <laughs> the clonies. Uh, <laughs> there, there's bronies for my little pony fans. Now there's clonies, okay? All right. I just, I'm, I'm just making up a word. No, that's all no it's done. Clonies. It it's is. done. Clonies. Oh. All right. All right. <laughs> You're welcome, Lexicon. 
Feel free, Wikipedia, to call them clonies. All right. Uh, George, you've got this one. We've got a little bit more news about the Sinister Six movie spinoff coming. Yeah. Um, so everyone knows, you know, Sony's wanting to make it rain uh, with, uh, <laughs> with all these Spider movies. And, you know, we talked about this, I think, last time. We're like, I don't know that this is diverse enough to really make it rain like you guys think it is. But, you know, they're dead set on it. So Drew Goddard... Um, they originally brought him in to write the Sinister Six movie. He's actually uh, – I don't know if protege is the right word, but he's, he's done a lot of work on Whedon projects before. And um, so they, you know, they brought him in to write it, and now they're just bringing him in to go ahead and direct it. Um, he also gave us Cabin in the Woods, which – have either of you seen that? I have not seen that, no. Bailey? No, but I've heard really good things about it. I have seen it, and it is awesome. Oh well, that's a good sign. It is very, very good. So I think he, you know, he brings a lot of talent to this. Is there enough to begin with for a Sinister Six movie? Can can villains themselves just carry on the entire film? I don't know. I don't know that fans are going to line up to see a Sinister Six movie. He uh, just did a. Uh, let's see. This was just on uh, IGN today. I haven't had a chance to. Uh, put the quote up on our front page yet, but uh, the film's producer, Avi Arad, and Matt Tom Tomlock, who sounds like a Star Trek villain. Isn't that an episode? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they revealed some more details about the spinoff project, and there's a quote uh, from them, from Tomlock, that says, quote, there's no such thing as just a villain. There are villains by virtue of choices that people make, but they always begin as humans and as characters, as, as flawed people, as tragic people. And you know, great movies have been made about a bunch of bad guys who get together to do something. And uh, that's not – I mean, I agree. I, what, what's a, what's a, a movie that has a bunch of bad guys getting together? The, uh, the Usual Suspects? The Predator? Wait, Pre they're, oh, yeah. they're soldiers, not bad guys. But Yeah. Um, the the thing about this is is that we we've gone from such a on such a ride with villains. I mean, back in the uh, you know the the golden and silver age, things were a little more, for lack of a better term, black and white. Where you know the bad guy was the bad guy because they wanted to rob the bank or whatever. And then slowly, uh, Marvel kind of led the way, but DC certainly did their fair share over like the 70s, 80s, and 90s to kind of shade them a little more. And I think now we're in this era, and I really wish I could remember the name of the uh, the teacher that uh, I was watching uh, the one of the special features on Justice League New Frontier, and Jim Kruger, who wrote the Earth X and Paradise X series, but over at DC... Uh, wrote a series called Justice with Alex Ross. And he basically was talking how a lot of writers uh, who studied with this particular teacher kind of were, were taught, you know, you, you, you have to make the, human, the, the villain human. And the problem with that is, as I see it, is that if you spend all of your time shading the villain so that you totally understand why they're doing what they do and may even kind of see their point, one, you're detracting from the hero. That's true. Because then you're kind of making it, it's, it's like if you make Lex Luthor, you know, the guy that is just trying to fight off the alien menace, that makes Superman a menace. So where's your hero? And two, I think after a while, 
you know, you're basically, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this like you know I'm a Fox News commentator or something, but you're basically saying <laughs> that, you know, the even uh, you know there were kind of putting the bad guys on a pedestal that they are the heroes now. Now with a thing like Spy, you know, the Sinister Six movie, they'll be the protagonists, but they won't be heroes. But we're going to set them up as the hero and the one you're rooting for. So where does that leave the hero when he has to fight them? Because now you like those people. So it's yeah. it's it's a really fine line that I think, you know, Jeff Johns has done a great job in his career of making the villains work. You know, some more than others. I've, I've kind of turned a corner on this. I really like what he's done, for example, with Sinestro uh, and with the rogues and all that. But at the same time, where does that leave, again, where does that leave your hero? Yeah. There shouldn't be anybody on a Sinister Six team except for maybe Sandman and maybe sometimes, you know, here and there, Rhino that you uh, – certainly not the movie Rhino, but the comic book Rhino that you should ever feel some, you know, sorry for. They're all psychotic jackasses, mm-hmm. and, and, and in a way, a lot of them are kind of are losers, you know, so I – how I don't know. I mean, I, I hope they don't go the heroic route with Venom either. Oh, it makes me wonder if they're going to try to make it funny. If 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 they're going to try to make it like if they're going to go for a lot of gags with the villains. And I'm like, I don't think that's really going to work. I don't think you can really make a comedy. This I, don't make this your Guardians of the Galaxy because these aren't the people to do that with. Though <laughs> what you could do is do like kind of like a big hit action com- action comedy type thing. Where they get six losers together and set them up, and then they have to kind of vindicate themselves because they've been screwed over. That would make at least an interesting film. But then the mm-hmm. the problem that you have is a lot of these people are going to be in subsequent Spider-Man movies, and how is anyone going to take them seriously? And I, I want to know how you do it without Spider-Man. Yeah, that's going to be another thing. People are going to be like, well, wait a minute. Now, this is Spider-Man universe. Where's uh, Where's the Spider-Man, Jack? I mean, I, I I mentioned this on the previous podcast. I guess you could have Spider-Man in there with just Andrew Garfield voicing him. You didn't have. You don't to even have to have there. Andrew Garfield involved at all. You can just throw a Spider-Man in there that jumps in and clobbers him, and then takes off every now and then. I don't know. I, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how they're doing it. Uh, like I said, the director is talented. Uh, Cabin in the Woods was a, a really great movie, and this this guy has done you know work with Whedon before, and so. He, you know he's learned from the master, but he, you know there's some things that work and some things that don't. You know, I mean, like uh, the Agents of Shield show. It's just now starting to get good. Before then, there were a dozen episodes that sucked or or that weren't that great. I'm going through those. Ba- and, I'm, I'm five behind, man. And, it's, and oh. now they're talking about this show may not get a second season because there's the audience for it has dropped off and you have everyone involved including Jeff Loeb saying no this, this is great cuz now we can finally get to this I'm like no the time to finally get to this Jack was at the beginning yeah and and so you guys are kind of running late to the show so so just because you're of the Whedon you know just because you're related in some way or connected to the Whedon does not mean that everything you do is going to be gold <laughs> but Cabin in the Woods did very good box office it was a huge hit I imagine the goals of these Sony folks is to make Sinister Six a franchise the goal of these Sony folks is just to make cash right. and stay alive we'll, we'll make money yeah that's true so what what's the goal do you think they say you know what let's make a Sinister Six movie and then let's make a Norman Osborn movie and then we'll make an Electro movie well they're, they're the trying heck? to they're, they're trying to make 
uh, as much with what little they have. I mean, they don't have an yeah. entire, you know, universe of heroes to. Uh, they're they're to make. trying to hamper. They're trying to hamburger helper Spider Man. You know. Yeah, it, it's you know George <laughs> was kind of on the on the right path. I think they're 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 probably going to try to sell it as kind of a Guardians of the Galaxy type situation. Uh, but it's just not the same because one, you don't have a raccoon with a machine gun, therefore no you're going to fail. And, uh, <laughs> and but two, you know, I'm sorry that Sony has Spider-Man, and I'm sorry that Fox has Fantastic Four and X-Men because oh. of licensing deals. But you're not going to, you know, now Fox, you know, I was reading rumors, which I try not to pay attention to, but it, but now, it, you know, it appears that Fox wants, you know, to kind of make like a crossover films and stuff with the new FF and the, and the X-Men. And it's just like yeah. you're, tr- you're chasing something that you can't catch up to at this point. Right. But we'll get more into that in the message board questions. Yeah, true. All right. This next one is uh I, I'm looking forward to the opinions on this one. Bailey, uh you've got this one about Kirsten Dunst did an interview with Harper's Bazaar UK and talked about gender relationships, men and women. <laughs> uh Kirsten Dunst, the world's most boring Mary Jane. Uh, <laughs> who by the third film looked like she was just not having a good time at all. The chemistry between her and uh and Toby Maguire in all three films was well there was done so there's really no <laughs> shit bad there um i'm in a mood you know I, I, allegedly they shit. dated in the uh, when the first one was they did they out. did date during the first wow uh, you know Kirsten Dunst the second one <laughs> yeah so Kirsten Dunst aka the good looking Maggie Gyllenhaal um she she makes these comments. No, no. Here's the thing. You know, I Damn. I, Damn. I, I, I I you know I wish there was another category uh, on the Spider-Man crawl space <laughs> to put this under besides news. I want to create a new one that says "Who gives a shit." Um, <laughs> but she, you know, she's talking to Bizarre Magazine, which I didn't even realize was still being published. And she makes these comments. One of which is, I feel like the feminine has been a little undervalued. Dunst 31 told the magazine, we all have to get our own jobs and make our own money, but staying at home, nurturing, being the mother, cooking, it's a valuable thing my mom created. And she went on to say, sometimes you need your knight in shining armor. I'm sorry. need a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman. That's why relationships work. Now, to the first statement, um, what she's been... Women, women staying home? Well, 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 here's the thing. If you are going to believe that women have the right to choose, which you should, because yeah. why not? But if you're going to buy into that theory, then a woman staying home and taking care of her kids is just as valid as a woman getting a job. Yep. So if people are getting pissed off about that statement, they're they're missing the point. What they're basically saying at that point is, no, you have to do this, and that removes choice, which just bothers the heck out of me. My wife and I had a long conversation about this a couple months ago about because um, uh, of something else that kind of stirred up. But in the second one, sometimes you need your knight in shining armor. Now, are people going to take this as that she's against gay marriage or homosexuality in general? Or is she just basically saying, for me, I feel, you know, I want a knight in shining armor. I don't need that. But sometimes, you know, you you need that in your life, which is, again, a choice. Mm-hmm. So, to me, there is no issue here. You know, if, if, if several feminine websites are 
upset and outraged with her quotes. That is absolutely their right to, to, to be that. But what you're basically, again, taking away is the option that a woman may want, you know, a man to make her feel that way. She doesn't, you know, absolutely need it to exist. It's not like she needs a man to feel valued. But sometimes, you know, sometimes some women, just because of who they are as people, like to have that. And I don't think, you know, you should pillory her for that. Pillory her because she's kind of a lousy actress. You know, <laughs> let's let's attack her work. Let's attack three Spider-Man films where, as they went on, I hated her more and more. Let's yeah. look, you know, let's look at Bring It On, which, frankly, come on, guys were watching that because she was in short outfits or, like, most of the stuff. I mean, the only thing that she was really ever good in was Drop Dead Gorgeous, which I thought was a hilarious yeah, thing. she was good in Interview with a Vampire. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that, too. But, uh, and maybe, um, uh, what was that, Toy Soldier? No, not Toy Soldiers. Uh, uh, Jumanji. No, no, the one with uh, the action figures that come to life. Nine and a half soldiers. I am tired in general of anybody of any political or sociological inclination, conservative, liberal, feminist, you know, whatever the opposite spectrum of that is. I'm just sick of everyone getting pissed off at what people say in general. You know, it doesn't affect you one way or the other what Kirsten Dunst thinks. It shouldn't affect anything in your life what any celebrity has to say about a given subject. So I'm that's why you know I saw this you know on the on the on the front page and you know I saw you know the little Facebook thing and I'm like oh, we're probably going to talk about that on the show. God, <laughs> how am I going to sustain not giving a crap for five minutes? So. <laughs> The reason I gave it this one to you, Mr. Bailey, is because you just summed it up perfectly. That's why I gave it oh, to you. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> That's why I gave it to you. And plus, it, it, it's a little bit outside of the Spider-Man realm, but it still has a little tiny bit of Oh, yeah. I mean, to if Tobey Maguire yeah. you know, stood up tomorrow yeah. and said that he should be you know, allowed to have sex with horses, I mean, we would probably put <laughs> on that. Hey, don't give away future shows, okay? All right. <laughs> the problem with, with the reaction to this kind of thing is... is what what Dunn said is perfectly fine. You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of couple, and it's going to be different for every couple. It's going to be different for every family. It just is. You know, people will find what suits them best. I have friends where the guy makes all the decisions, you know, and and the gal is, you know, basically just concentrates on their kids, right? I've actually, you know, I've got friends like that. I've got other friends who, you know, would, would think that's archaic and caveman like and would rail against it and you know to the point where the woman didn't even take the guy's last name when they got married mm-hmm. you know i've got friends that are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum every couple and every family is just going to be different uh now what I, I think you get a lot of pushback here because when dunst says what she did and the same thing happened with candace cameron mm-hmm. when candace what she do well candace cameron this was a month or two ago uh, before she was on Dancing with the Stars, came out and you know and said, uh, you know she she's a very prolific uh, Twitter or tweeting person. You know she's got a lot of followers on Twitter. She's always talking about things. And uh, but she said, you know what works for me and my family is is base is what I said earlier. You know it was like, you know he makes the decisions for our family and I support him. 
you know, and, and that's how we live. And, you know, she's also very religious. She's like, that's how we live through God and everything else. And, boy, here come the feminists. Way to set us back, bitch. You know, I mean, they they don't they don't take that as a valid view because it it, it this it's not what they would themselves that what they would do themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, then and, they, and you got and people button heads. Yeah, and that's the main problem with with that sort of thing is again you're 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 not wanting you know again this could be any political or sociological spectrum. You have people that are so lockstep in what they believe is if somebody else goes outside of the uh, out of that box that they've created for themselves then they're going to freak out about it and it yeah. doesn't set women back because you know that like you said there are some families where the husband makes all the decision and the woman focuses on the kids there are some families where the woman has a fantastic job and the husband stays home and takes care of the kids yep. because it works for them and it's like it's not cookie cutter yeah you you can't we you can't cookie cutter anything anymore. I mean, it's just because right. the world is, is just so different and God, I'm sounding like an old man in my day. Um, <laughs> but, but no, it's just, it, it, what, what bugs me is that, you know, I am all for women's rights and all of that. You know, I am 100%, you know, forward thinking on that. And because of that, if a woman like Candace Cameron, who, Okay, yeah, I was, you know, the, the the last thing I really remember seeing her in was a Christmas movie from last year where Alan Thicke played her dad, and I just thought that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm like, so you chose another Cameron that that isn't as crazy? Very good, 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 good going there, Thicke. Um, but you know, it's 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 kind of like blurred lines. If she, sorry, if she is, <laughs> if she. <laughs> I was about to make a joke about the theme to different strokes, but uh, I won't do that. Uh, but if, but if that but if that's what makes Cameron uh, Candace Cameron happy, if she's content in that life, who is that? Who is anyone to say that she's wrong? And that's her choice, which is what I think feminists want, right? They want choice, right? Yeah. Because there's well, nothing no, better than three guys talking about what feminists want. I know. Well, well, the one girl I had left me a long time ago <laughs> on the show. You'll find a lot of uh, groups, Brad, that are like, well, we want you know choice, yeah. or we want to debate on this, or we want tolerance. We really want the opposite. And, and, and they will shout down the other side as, as loudly as they can and, right. and, and try to stop them from ever even bringing it up. That's why as soon as you get you know this gal saying what she says, then you've got, oh, my God, way to set us back, bitch. You know the uh, the another playoff of this is uh, Dunst's comments came close to a new uh, bit of research that came out that said uh, the number of moms uh, that are staying home has gone up dramatically since 1999. Yeah, but say uh, why? Give the reason that that study said. Or help me with it. I don't see that it. study said that, but at the same time, when you looked at what the at the reason why is because women can't, no one can find a job right now. So, so we have a shrinking number of jobs. It's harder to find work, so well, you've got more gals staying at home and taking care of kids. I have a, a buddy that has uh, four kids, and his wife stays home because, my God, the daycare bill is not is more than what she would make at like a normal job. Your daycare is such a racket. Oh, oh my God! Tell me, brother. Especially, especially <laughs> down here where they're killing kids. So, oh my God! But anyway, I mean, the cost of gas, the cost of um, uh, daycare, weekly daycare for more than one kid is just astronomical, and it's cheaper to go on one salary if you've got kids. However, um, 
the 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 modern family, which is the dad goes to work, the mom stays home. It's what is what do you what that do you was think the modern family? I don't the, the 1950s, the 1950s oh, war hell, the June was, 1980s. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Do you think we're going back to that? Um, I don't. Due to financial times, I or think what? we're going. I think we're going into whatever the hell works right now with whatever with the best that we can get. Yeah, who who can get a job is who's going to go to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just yeah, that's you know, true. growing that's up, true. both of my parents had full time jobs, mm-hmm. so I never had the family where the mother stayed home. I saw a lot more of my mom during the week because she, for a long time, worked nights. So when I get home from work, she's awake. And then on the weekends when she's, you know, we're, you know, working, you know, you know, three to 11, my dad's taking care of us. So, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of thing happened. But, you know, I, I never, I never had the mom stay at home all the time, you know, you know, and doing everything. My parents seem to uh, share in the, the responsibilities. So that's what I grew up with. So to me, that's completely normal. Right. Everybody's norm is different. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's move off of the feminine ways and talk about the man. <laughs> let's get back to Spidey. Let's get back to Spidey, and we're going to go... And how he can't handle a freaking girlfriend or a job. Exactly. We're going to talk about Spider-Man's package now. How's that for a segue? Uh, George, you've got this one. Uh, we talk about the spider suit and Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, okay, so Spider-Man opened internationally before it opened here, which pisses yeah. me off because it's an American hero, and by God, he should be opening here. If it's Captain Britain, sure, open in London. Otherwise, I don't give a, a F. Well, at least they're telling us this now. Superman 2 opened in Europe in 1980, like almost a year before it opened up over here, and they tried to keep all of those reviews and headlines out so it would influence people. Oh, because they filmed thank, them at the same time? Thank um, God what, what they like on the Internet in 1980. Uh, um that would take more than we have time to really explain how that all worked. But, uh, <laughs> but no, um, the um, so the spider so, package. So yeah, they they go on, you know, like these press junkets, and they give all these interviews around the world. So they were giving one to a show in Australia called The Project, which I don't know. I guess it's The View. Who knows? It's Australia. They have na- they have nudity in their soap operas, and God bless them. So oh, nice. yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> Their daytime drama really heats up over there. These people – when you live on a continent filled of things that will kill you, when you live on a continent that is like the world's most deadliest continent, especially when it comes to animals that bite you and kill you with poison, yeah, um, yeah you're going to you know, live a little more, a little more lax. You know, you're going to be a little more Epicurean, I think. Uh, I've often told people that Texas and Australia probably have a lot in common. Anyway, so – there's a show over there called The Project, and, and so you had Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone going on there, and one of their hosts, Waleed, who's kind of I, – I don't know. I think he's one of these Graham Norton types. I don't know what he does over there, but you know he's kind of the animated pixie you know, kind of character. <laughs> and yeah. um, anyway, he's, he, you know, he, he starts talking about the package. No. That's his opening. He's got an exclusive interview with Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone. His first comment is about the package. Yeah, his, what the hell? his first comment is like, so hey, who How's okay, the hang who yeah. okayed this this package? Because it looks like you got a lot more, like Spidey swinging a lot more than he was in the first <laughs> movie, right? You know, so Garfield Garfield's kind of a shy guy. Um, he strikes he does, me as that in the interviews yeah. I've seen. He uh, did you watch? Did you see the interview he he did with Ellen? No, no. I'm, he doesn't I'm, like he, 
both he and Emma Stone are, you know, everyone knows that they're dating and everything, but they, hell, they're living together. But they, you know, they're both very, yeah, they're both very private about it. You know, which is rare. They're both, I know, they're both like, dude, we have our movie life or whatever, and then we have our life. How we're going to live, and I respect the hell out of that. Bravo to that, honestly. And yeah, so they, none of our business what goes on in their relationship. So, so they go on Ellen, and Ellen keeps needling them. They go on there with Jamie Fox, and Ellen keeps needling them, you know, needling them for about trying to get information out of out of them, you know, about what it's like when they make a movie together, but they're also dating and everything, and they don't want to talk about it. And finally, Garfield just looks at her and says, "Drop it, let it let it go," you know, because he was done. He was done talking about it. We need to put that on the front page. I'd like to see um, it. Here, though, here was a completely different thing. It, I, I think it, it made Garfield a little, you know, kind of nervous, you know, kind of, you know, he, there was a lot of nervous laughter. I don't really think he was anticipating that, you know, but he and Emma Stone, they, they did think it was funny. And Garfield's reaction, you know, about uh, the package, he told uh, Waleed, uh, who was the uh, the guy from the project, he says, well, you know, it takes a lot of consideration because you don't want it to be overwhelming. <laughs> and, also, <laughs> and also, you don't want it to be underwhelming. You don't want it to intimidate, and you don't want it to the opposite of intimidate. <laughs> so, yes, there is thought. Good for him. But ultimately, you have to trust that what you have is enough. <laughs> to which Emma Stone said, because with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> And then they threw out, oh, classic Waleed. And I was like, you know what? That is so like Waleed. Wait a minute. I don't know who the hell Waleed is. <laughs> no relation to the beaver. No. Yes. No. Yeah. So anyway. Well, that kind of works on multiple levels of jokes. <laughs> so apparently in Spider-Man 2 with the new costume, uh, yeah. we're going to have a more pronounced package. All right, then. I, I guess I guess they'll work that into a FedEx or USPS ad somehow. If it ships, it fits, you know? <laughs> if, it, if it fits, it ships. i got a flat rate box gotta, right here, yeah. you got to think, though, that in just about every super... I mean, I know it was discussed in super during the production of Superman the movie. Uh, you know, uh, apparently one of the producers said basically either he's got a big one or he's got nothing. You know, <laughs> you know either you have a cod piece or you have a Ken doll. So... <laughs> Because you do we need our heroes to have big junk? Let's let's be honest. I'm serious. Let's talk about that. Well, honest. I, well, I don't think so because when you when you see it in the comics, it's not you know it's, it's like it's like, not pronounced. It's not pronounced. So who gives a shit? I mean, that should be the title of this episode. Mike says <laughs> gives a shit. Um, you said that on multiple of these topics. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just I'm having a tough time, but. Um, <laughs> From the last time we recorded to now, my world has completely changed. So, uh, but the um, the 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 thing is, is that it's great that he can roll with that sort of thing. Like you know, that he can. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, it's just you know, think of how Toby Maguire would have been with that question. Oh, yeah. He would have been like, whatever, move on. Yeah, and it's just like, because yeah. Garfield, you know, I, I know some people didn't like Amazing Spider-Man, but what really won me over with that film and why I will why, why I like it so much is that I liked him. And I yeah. think really that the key to reading Spider-Man and being into that character is that you like him. You like him as a person. So you have somebody that is so 
you know, energetic and, 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 and just makes you like him just because of how they are. I mean, the, the scene where, you know, Flash Thompson is just beating the crap out of him and his final word on the subject says, I'm still not taking the picture, Flash. That was just like, <laughs> it was just great. So, yeah. I, I, you know, when they tried to dirty him up back during the Oscars, you know, I, it just kind of pissed mm-hmm. me off because I'm like, why are you trying to do this? This guy, he's like gold, yeah. you know, you know, don't stay gold, pony boy. You know, just yeah. <laughs> controversy gets a click. So, yeah, that, that, well, especially if you're a clickbait site. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but now I've, I've, never think I'm, I've never heard that term, a clickbait site. It's that a site that is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ben. You won't believe what Christina Ricci did with, and you click on it, and then you have to oh. you have to read one page, and then you have to go to another and another and another. ADS. And another. I've been, pop up, I've and been, then you have to click on another. I've one. been I've been to those sites. I know what you're exactly what you're talking about. That's fine. Yeah, they basically so, get paid every time you click to another page. Yeah, or anytime Ain't It Cool News throws something up, and one of their one of their contributors throws out red meat that they know is going to get everybody talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that, yeah. that that's clickbait also. That's funny. But uh, I think I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum, Miss Bailey. I think I I need my superheroes to have big junk <laughs> because I no, I mean I I just do. I mean these characters are larger than life, right? Okay. I mean these are these are manly men. You know, I mean we when we think, I think of these you've dudes, just seen too many porn version of superheroes. No, <laughs> no, man. I mean, like even you know, like when I think of Batman. You know, and Batman goes out and kicks the crap out of the Joker, and then he's going to go get down with, with, with Catwoman. I want, to, I want to know that Batman's putting the hammer down. Oh, no. I don't want to think that he's coming down there and he's fighting to find a shrinky dink, or he's like, here comes my Vienna sausage. I want oh, him to no. come in with the, with the power. Oh, no. I want him to be like, you know, I, I, want, I want Catwoman, you know, having to grab the sides and saying, okay, I think I'm ready. Not, you know, I, I can't wa- find it. Oh, my God. All right. Um... <laughs> Where the hell did we go? Um, is that, is I, that horrible? I, you, you totally just threw me off the train. I'm Good. Nervous. Now you know what it feels like. Uh, ribbit. Ribbit. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're moving from packages to ice cream. I'm going to take the uh, basket because, you know, never mind. I got no segue for packages to ice cream. It's just not going to happen. Okay, uh, Baskin Robbins has announced that uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two ice cream is coming out. The dog loves it. Uh, <laughs> it's not my dog. That's all I'm really happy about. Oh, hang on. Someone's coming to the door. Be right back. Okay. Oh, I thought that was your dog, Bailey. That's funny. Anyway, uh, there's going to be three different types of Spider-Man ice cream. There's going to be the Amazing Spider-Man Two ice cream, which why Bailey? Why wouldn't they just call it Spidey ice cream? Why do they have to call it Amazing Spider-Man 2 ice cream? Because they're trying to promote a film called Amazing Spider-Man 2. I know, but you can at least call it something else. Anyway, uh, this ice cream will get tangled up in red and blue vanilla flavored ice cream with a dark chocolate web and popping candies that make that combine to make a superhero of flavor. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 ice cream is available by the scoop or the cone or the cup or whatever the hell you want it in a quart. Well, I don't even know. Uh, you also have a Spider-Man 2 uh, birthday cake. Uh, which is a very cool-looking thing. And illuminating eyes that appear to lit up with electric Electro's bolts. Spider-Man? And Electro's milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, evidently. It's shockingly good, and it's made with Amazing Spider-Man 2 ice cream, and it will electrify your taste buds. Damn right. It's better than there yours. You. I'd teach you, <laughs> but I'd have to try. There you go. 
So, boys, are we making a trip down to the uh, the Basket Robins to get us some uh, Spider-Man and Electro milkshake? Will it bring you to the yard, George? No, I have to charge. Uh, Bailey, what do you think? Well, I, I'm, I'm just morally against Baskin Robbins because of how they do their Why? ice cream cakes. I think they uh, what they do. They, they, they we're, actually, we're getting we're getting a new Baskin Robbins in town. Yeah, well, so I, but they've changed. Okay, so you know you go to and you can find it in grocery stores now, but you go to like Dairy Queen and you get their or Carvel and you get their ice cream cake, and it's basically kind of a, you know, the frosting is kind of a more, you know, like creamy type ice cream, and then you have vanilla, and then you have a layer of cookie, and then you have chocolate, and it's awesome, and it's everything God intended ice cream cake to be. Correct. Baskin Robbins actually has like a cake type substance in their ice cream cake, hmm. and it's just not as good, and uh, because of that, I uh, I oppose them and everything that <laughs> looks like them, so I, uh, I I'm glad that they're getting the Spider-Man promotion, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're actually able to call it Spider-Man ice cream because there are people who have tried to do, you know, red and blue and yellow striped vanilla ice cream and call it Superman ice cream, and then they get shut down by Warner Brothers' legal department. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, you know, wh- why, what is Electro's milkshake? I mean, what what is the flavor? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that's it kind looks of my question. great. It looks great it, from the picture. It would be awful. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know how you turn Electro. What, what, is there a Spider-Man villain that would make good ice cream flavor? That's how, um, I think the Venom? I think the lizard. What, what flavor would Venom chocolate? be? Chocolate. The chocolate symbiote ice cream. That's not bad. And yeah, you know, like you can have like a mint chocolate ice cream for the lizard. Uh, you know, um, God, who else would? I mean, you could have like kind of a ah pumpkin bombs. You could have pumpkin ice cream for. Green Goblin. Yeah, orange flavored ice cream, or you have like you know, uh, like a like a ice cream treat thing where you have like ground up like bits of you know like cone or something, and that's the Sandman. I mean, you can do stuff. Like oh, that. holy cow! There's more ideas. What that? that See, happened. this is why Baskin Robbins needed to contact us first. We could have been their focus group. <laughs> t- t- two big guys that know all their ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> George, are you back yet? No, George. George will be back soon. Dun, 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 dun. All right, let's see. I've got uh, another one. Let's see the uh, Spider-Man April Fools. Since this is uh, April, uh, this prank happened in New York City. Evidently, uh, they hooked a guy up to uh, some ropes. And they had a woman that had a, uh, this is a little YouTube prank that people pulled. And I know you hate April Fool's joke, Mr. Bailey. But uh, a, a robber is uh, stealing a, what looks like a Mary Jane's purse. And uh, the, the redhead looks up and, and a guy on ropes comes down and swings and surprises all the residents of New York City. That Spider-Man is possibly real. What do you think of this April Fool's prank, Mr. Bailey? I mean, it's fun. It's, yeah. My, my main problem with April Fool's is yeah. that basically is my main problem with any kind of joke like that is basically you are taking the you know with like from when friends do it, you have taken yeah. the trust that we have developed between each other over the years, and you're basically using that for your own you know uh, petty amusement. So and and it's just like you know uh, people post crap on Facebook. And it's just, to me, it's just not all that funny. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to do this to promote a film, 
which, come on, that's why they did it, to promote a film. I mean, uh, you know, it's fine. I mean, that's, that's basically it. It's it, You know, it's like, oh, look, there's Spider-Man. It's like that video that came out a couple months ago where the dude was almost smacking around his girlfriend and Spider-Man comes, shows up and beats the crap out yeah. of him. I mean, that's... Yeah. That that's kind of you know that that's kind of amusing and stuff. So I'm not I'm not morally opposed to that sort of thing. Do you think it's because you and I are getting older that April Fool's jokes are not as fun? Well, I didn't think April Fool's jokes were funny when I was younger, but uh, yeah. uh, as I get older, it's funny. I, it's 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 this it's this interesting shift is that I'm yeah. becoming accepting of more uh, more accepting of some things, and le- and I have just absolutely no patience for others. So yeah. Uh, any good April Fool's jokes ever pulled on you, or you just? I know you said your wife was in the accident. I mean, that would ruin all of April Fool's jokes. I mean, April Fool's Day for you. Um, it, not really. I mean, yeah. the you know you, you guys did a really good um, you know the the whole Hulk thing and yeah, damn everybody right. knew that was a joke. Damn though. right we did. <laughs> When uh, hey, welcome back. <laughs> uh, every year, Steve Eunice over at the Superman homepage posts a bunch of fake news that are just like so outrageously wrong that you know that they're fake. Uh, but you know, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I could see where it's fun. It's just not my thing. Yeah. You missed the, the discussion of Spider-Man ice cream, George. Are you rushing down to your Baskin Robbins to get some? Do you like, do you like Baskin Robbins? Uh, I, uh, I have one over here by me, but it, uh, I haven't been there in a while. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big ice cream guy anymore. No, really? No. Huh. All right. Uh, who's got uh, this next one? Spider-Man rubs a subway. <laughs> what well, happened? I you said rub. I thought you said rub. He he also rubbed the <laughs> footlong. Yes, that's going along with the footlong. The the spider package. No, it happened down in Florida at a subway, Mister Bailey. What happened here? Um, in the world's worst uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two promotion, a uh, subway. <laughs> On State Road 436 and near Ronald Reagan Boulevard, because we all know where that is, uh, <laughs> was uh, was robbed by a guy in a Spider-Man mask. And I think that this story was was I think the guy did it just so, because he knew when you would report on it, you would put that page <laughs> up from Brand New Day. Because uh, no, I that mean it, it, it's just interesting. You know, this this is one of those things that pops up every once in a while. You know, only because you know. Subways get robbed every day. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, businesses get robbed every day. The uh, the only the only reason this made the news is because the dude was wearing a Spider Man mask. So, uh, not many people rob things dressed as Superman, do they? No, but that's just because, <laughs> I mean, well, what that's the just hell? you're inviting people to shoot you in the chest. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the full bot, the full head mask encourages it more than Superman because you got to get the curl going on the front of yeah, Superman. It's not like somebody's gonna. It's not like somebody's gonna like put on a pair of glasses and go rob somebody dressed as Superman. <laughs> you know, that doesn't really work in real life. And Bat- Batman's got a half a mask, so you can kind of describe him better. But that's the full Spider-Man mask tends to hide the whole thing. Batman but, has a mask. Uh, Superman. Man has a, a face. Yeah, <laughs> I got robbed by a dude with a curl on his forehead. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Uh, any other debate on that one before we move on? I don't know. What is there to debate? He did rob someone. He didn't. What? Well, I thought you might have a footlong joke, George, or something. I, I think I already used it. Anyway, uh, George, you've got this one. <laughs> uh, 
we've got a couple more news items left. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game trailer came out. We saw some new villains in it we haven't seen before. Talk about that. Uh, yeah, it's going to have uh, Kingpin, Black Cat. The new uh, trailer was narrated by Black Cat, who is apparently working for Kingpin. So you got Kingpin, Black Cat, Craven is going to be in it, and also apparently Carnage. Yeah, you saw just a little arm of a red symbiote coming out. Yeah. So, thoughts on that, George? Um, I guess it's okay. It's not enough to make me buy it. The fir- first one, the first, did you did you buy the first game? I solid. haven't played a Spider-Man video game, Brad, since the the one that came out on Sega Genesis where you had to save Mary Jane from the Kingpin at the end. Good uh, God, man. Wow. Now, to be <laughs> fair, the last Spider-Man game I played was the first one from the PlayStation. Oh my gosh, guys! You, you missed you missed the uh, Spider-Man Two video game, which was one now, of the all-time best ones on the PS2. Now I've played Spider-Man and Marvel Heroes Online, uh, or as long as I can until Drake Bell's voice gets annoying. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay because he's going bankrupt anyway. So he needs the money, son. Um, <laughs> but you have an Xbox 360, right, George? I do have an Xbox 360. No video game? No, I mean, uh, no uh, comic book games on it. I've played uh, Ultimate Alliance before. I didn't well, play the go. second one, but no. I mean, typically, super, whenever I, for whatever reason, typically when I when I play a superhero game, it tends to it, it it tends to not live up to my expectations. I'm very picky. You know this about me. I know. Um, I know. You know, like the Superman, uh, the Superman game that was based on the the cartoon. Um, I think it Shadow was Shadow of for, Apocalypse. I think it was that the one where, like, at the beginning you have Superman and he has to catch somebody fall like a cable car full of people that's falling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I played that one and I was like, I was underwhelmed by it. Oh, I love that game. Did you? But you got to understand, Superman has had, you know, like counting that one has had two good video games. I'm so. more. In- I'm more inclined to buy something with Batman in it. I mean, I'm I'm a Spider-Man. Oh yeah, the huh? The Ark the Arkham games are very well, very. I'm good. I'm a Spider-Man guy, but yeah. I think it when when I when it comes to playing because when you're playing a video game, you're putting yourself into that character. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way to escape that. And while I love Spider-Man, when I'm playing a video game, it's time to punish somebody. <laughs> you know, it's time for me to get my hands on a man and make a difference, you know, and, and break, break, break some fool down. So I, psychologically, I, I do better playing Batman in video games than I do Spider-Man. I highly recommend uh, Shattered Dimensions. It, you can probably get in the $20 bin now. If you don't like that one... Um, you have no soul. I, I, you have well. There you go. I didn't know where I've I was going to go. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I've seen footage of it, and it looks good. Oh, it's but, you know. oh, it's really good. It's my favorite Spider-Man game of all time. Yeah, I loved it a lot. Isn't that the one that Slot wrote? Um. Uh, oh crap! I Did thought he? Peter David wrote that one. No, Peter David wrote the. Um, the the shattered dimensions. I mean the, um, the 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 one that came after that one. Ed, was it Edge of Time? The Edge of Time. Oh yeah, that's that, right. That one's not very, that that one's okay, but the shattered dimensions. Having having Dan Slott write a video game is not a good way to get me to play it. I'm sorry. Damn you, Bailey. You should. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We've talked about the package. We've talked about the April Fool's joke. The ice cream. The subway robbery, the video games, the director Kirsten Dunst, Spider Verse, Peter David. We, oh, we forgot this one for Michael. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one, volume three, is setting records. Quote unquote. 
<laughs> Tell me all about this. Uh, pre-orders for Amazing Spider-Man number one, volume three, until next year when they bring out another number one. That is not an indictment on doing this. It's just I won't be surprised when it happens. Uh, is basically topping five hundred thousands, which is which is kind of unheard of. The last time this uh, sort of thing happened with Spider-Man was back in two thousand eight mm-hmm. with Amazing Spider-Man number five eighty three. Uh, with the President Obama variant, where they suckered comic shops into ordering a bunch of copies of a book four months before that so that they could get the variants. To this one, there are 14 variants. And they keep going. There's even more every day. And Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, because because if it sells that much, that's great. But George kind of hit the nail on the head earlier in the episode. What you know, issue two is going to sell maybe 140 because comic shops are going to order so many copies of number one to get the variant covers so that they can make the money back on all the copies that they just ordered. The smart ones won't. Well, that's true. I mean, you you mentioned in the story on the on the home on the on the crawl space that you know uh, the, yeah. the the uh, you know the record for this is uh, Spider Man number one by Todd McFarlane, which allegedly sold two point right. five million copies. Uh, two point four million of which are sitting in fifty cent bins right now. <laughs> yep, uh, I'm st- I'm selling them on eBay currently. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you can you can pick those things up. And, and it is surprising when, you know, because I sold off my Spider-Man run, uh, like the first, like, 50 issues of it, and I split it into several lots, and I was just shocked that somebody bought it. Because mm-hmm. because I wasn't asking all that... Axing, really? Is that what I just said? <laughs> I wasn't asking all that much, but at the same time, it's just like, geez, you know, for this and a cup of coffee, you could get, you know, it's it's, it's almost like... Like if you walk into a comic shop and give them canned goods, they'll give you a long box of Spider-Man number one. So, from what I understand, at least what I read by Bleeding Cool, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh, retailers had to order three thousand copies. Of that is these, insane. Three thousand copies of the issue, so they could get their own variant. So, uh, like, there's the uh, discount. So that's not inflating there. the numbers at how, all. <laughs> and, and, and seriously, how many retailers are big enough to buy three thousand copies? It's, of, it's of only. It's going to be. It's going to be the big one. It's going to be the Mile Highs and the uh, you know Lone Star Comics and you know the you know the the New York based you know Midtown Comics and that kind of thing. And that's nothing against them, but it's going to be the comic shops. And it's kind of rare that have like the franchise thing going on where they have more than one shop so that they can order 3,000 and then split that over, you know, a, a certain number of shops. So, And this book has a $6 cover on it. I mean, so it's not, not a, it's not a cheap investment. I mean, I'll ask the guy that runs the comic shop I currently go to if he would do uh-huh. this. And I, and I guarantee you his, uh, his answer is going to be, are you effing kidding me? So. <laughs> So the small mom-and-pop comic book shops aren't into this. Well, an interesting uh, thread uh, is going on this right now on our message boards. And uh, Herbie Popnicker, uh, um, who's been a longtime poster at our site, uh, posted something up from his comic book store and also showed something that was posted, uh, I guess, from a Newsarama story uh, when Newsarama covered this. And basically, you've got two shops now. You've got Herbie's showing what his comic uh, shop is saying. It's called 
uh, all new comics. I don't know where that is. Um, and then the other one from Newsarama, who is this? This is a shop in Florida. Um, and I haven't seen the Newsarama link. Herbie didn't put it on here. But they're, you know, both of, of the reaction from the retailers in this, this is supposed to be going out to their customers, is mm-hmm. we're not doing this. It is insane. It's, it's their shop owners saying, we, we believe that all this variant crap is, is hurting what we do, is hurting our business and hurting this industry. So what we will do is we will order a specific amount, and if we get variants, we will try to get you a variant per year. But we are not going to play the variant game with Marvel. Yeah. It's just it's, – it's a good way to, to bump up sales on books. And, yes, some shops can turn, can turn it into a profit where they get the variant cover and they throw it up on eBay and, or they put it up on their wall and it, and it goes for a certain thing. But it's just – I don't have – really and truly, I don't have anything against variants because if they didn't sell, Marvel and DC would stop doing them. Okay, right. flat out. If 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 they just weren't selling, if sales dropped off and no one ordered them, you know, or or they didn't order enough to get the one in twenty five or anything like that, uh, you know, they'd stop doing them. So basically, this is another thing where you know fans are are kind of like you know the the protagonist in a Lifetime movie where they basically they're the ones that are going to have to stand up for themselves and stop <laughs> this madness. Thanks, <laughs> Al. Rather, it's like it's time for somebody to do it. I mean, because. You know, you know, in, in, a, in a capitalist structure, what sells is what's going to go on. We can complain all day long about what Marvel does and what DC does, and you know, people don't. People may complain about what IDW does or or such because you know they have so many variants and they they have a higher cover price. But at the same time, that is what the marketplace, as it stands, is allowing for. I I will never understand. The, the the collector market for variants. I will never in a million. To me, as a comic book reader and as someone who's you know followed comics for forty years now, I look at a comic and I'm like, dude, number one, ninety percent of the time the cover's a lie. You know, number two, yeah. it is one one piece of a comic and it's not even the story. Yeah. I to be fair <laughs> with Superman, I I I get variants, but also to be fair. I buy them on eBay six years later when somebody's just trying to unload them for cover price. Right. So right. you do it so the smart it, way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, you know, I don't get it at the time, but like back when the new Fifty Two was starting up, uh, all the variants for what was going on in Superman a couple years before that were hitting eBay at like two, three dollars a pop, and I'm just like, okay, uh-huh. I have it for my collection because I collect. You know, that is the collector part of me, but. And if I can get it at cover price, at, you know, day of sale, I'll do it. But I will not pay fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars for, uh, and neither will my dogs. Uh, <laughs> they just they just hate variants. It's just I just can't get them. To like they're them. they're ripping up one now. But uh, <laughs> but no, I'm not going to pay fifteen bucks for another cover. Essentially, yeah. I, uh, I I when Amazing Six Hundred came out, I. Um, Bought all the variants, and I, the hardest one to track down was the uh, the Remedia Senior one. But then Amazing Seven Hundred came out, and the Ditka one is going for like thousands of dollars on eBay. And I'm like, I give up. I mean, I it's impossible to have uh, every Spider-Man variant, and why would you want them? Yeah, I'm. And and this also this goes along to the mentality of comic collectors that I don't really get. 
uh, is the CGC grading stuff. One of the best aspects of this hobby is you get to read your hobby. You get to look at your collection. And sealing them up in a bag, or, or a, no, a plastic Well, to be seal, fair, you can open those things. Yeah, but it defeats the purpose of... Yeah, what, I mean, it's just, you know, like, yeah. you're not going to convince me that even with a CGC grade, that spawn number one is worth anything more than 50 cents at this point. Exactly. I mean, that, that mentality of collector that has to have almost all the variants, which is a very small portion. I, I think the CGC people are a little bit bigger than that group, but uh, it's along the same lines, I think. It's a different aspect of our hobby I don't understand. I, I will never understand anyone who, who is looking at ASM number one right now and saying, I must have all you know three dozen of these variants. I will never understand that. And you know, I would be a little bit more inclined if they were a dollar a piece, or they weren't seven, six dollars each. Or, or sell me an issue with all of the covers in it. Yeah, yeah like there, there's like 17 covers on the front of it, it, and it's like 10 bucks. Or put it in the back of the first trade, or if it means that much, that comes out. Yeah, if it means that much, I'll, I'll, I'll buy, uh, I'll spend, you know, seven dollars to buy, you know, the cover art of ASM number one special. You know, yeah. I, I I don't I don't I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I let's say I buy five of these variants. I've got five issues of the same goddamn story. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's not. Is it in Marvel's interest to help the retailer not overspend? I don't. I don't think it it's is. It's in Marvel's interest it's, to help the retailer, but not to make them go bankrupt. But Marvel I mean, also. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you've got a yeah. you've got a continually vanishing. Network of things that sell Marvel's product. Marvel yeah. is squeezing them for every goddamn penny they can get, and trying to yeah. strong arm them and and to doing things that hurt them. As a retailer, they should be smart enough not to fall for this. Oh uh, hell no! Switch. Yeah. Well, we're talking they about a company that throughout its history has made bad decisions like this. Heroes World. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, it's a, it's a different regime and everything, but it seems like you know you know the, the the new boss is the same as the old boss, right? And it, and what goes at one company is going to start going to the other company. I remember when Marvel finally you know one of the big FUs they had to the retailers was like, well, guess what? You're not going to be able to return stuff anymore. And then DC was like, oh, that's retarded. And then later on, DC was like, yeah, that, uh, sorry, we're going to do that too. But you can't blame Marvel for having half a million sales. I mean, it's working. Yeah, they're but, making their but, money. But that—that's a bump. That's not. That is a bump. Yeah. That's not you know trying to make this title something where you're consistently selling one hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand a month, which right now is big numbers for a blog. Here, another thing that I found. Uh, troubling about this is if you go and you talk to Tom Brevoort or Dan Slott on the message boards, which I highly do not recommend, uh, <laughs> the, uh, they all, if you always talk about numbers, the direct sales numbers, they always say, no, those numbers are wrong. Oh, those yeah, numbers yeah, are wrong. Yeah. However, these numbers tend to be right for them for oh, yeah, some reason. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think you can eat your cake and have your cake and eat it, too. And the, uh, So... Granted, this is a, a tracking of how many direct copies were sold to a comic book shop, generally. And they, their argument has always been uh, this doesn't take into account, I guess, overseas tra sales, uh, digital sales, and the small amount of newsstand, and also subscription sales. So it's, it's, there's a bigger number that it's five to 600 million copies. The other, the other bad element of this is that, you know, let's say 
in five months, six months, you've got people saying, well, Dan Slott shouldn't have come back as the writer because now it's just like it was before Otto was gone and it's stale and it's stagnant and we don't really like it. You know, then suddenly you've got a Brevert or somebody else pointing to, well, wait a minute now. People love Dan Slott. Half a half a million. Half a million for Dan Slott. And yeah. I'm like, no, half a million for 20 variant covers. <laughs> not, not, not half a million for Dan Slott. Bailey, any thoughts on that one? Uh, I am really kind of not, you know, not like taking a solemn vow or anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Uh, yeah. listening to what the creators have to say, unless it's something, like, specific to a storyline. Like, you know, every once in a while, you know, it's like, you know, what is, what's coming up in Forever Evil? It's like, okay, what are they saying? But really, I don't care. You know, I yeah. want to read the story, and I want to enjoy it. I, I read two issues of Superior Spider-Man this month, 29 and 30, spent a total of $8 on it, minus my you know, 15% discount at the comic shop, and I enjoyed the crap out of it. And that's without mm-hmm. reading anything on the message boards. That's without reading interviews with anybody. I just enjoyed it, and that's kind of how I want to do my comics now. You know, the, I, yeah. I don't care what the editors have to say. You know, I don't care what Tom Brevoort has to say. I don't know the man personally. I'm a little put off by how he answers questions sometimes. But then again, there are some fans out there that are some big jackasses. So, you know, it, it, it's not, True. It, it, you know, it's not like, you know, we're, we're, we're the victims because there have been some, you know, pretty brutal things said about these people by me. Uh, not the, you know, I won't run away from it. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Yeah. All right. Uh, one last, uh, t- two quick things before we wrap up this show. Um, uh, if you grew up in the 80s, early 80s, like I did, reading the uh, Spider-Man newspaper strip, uh, one after John Romita Sr. penciled it, I think Larry Lieber had his hand in the beginning, And but uh, the artist that uh, teamed up with Stan every day, five days a week, was Fred Kitta, and he recently passed away. He was um, 93 years old. Mm-hmm. And he started in the golden age of comics. One of his best-known penciling uh, was on the Airboy. I've not read that, but it came out in the 1940s. But it was an uh, Kidda, strip. Oh, did you read it? Was it good? I've, I've never read the golden age stuff. I read oh. the Tim Truman, Chuck Dixon stuff from Eclipse Comics in the 80s. That was actually really cool. But it was basically a guy in his plane. And it was kind yeah. of like an aviation type strip back when you could support that kind of thing. The um, he he was the first artist, and, and it's funny. I, I know when I posted this on the front page, Spider Dad also had a comment about how he'd forgotten about Fred Kitta. I'd forgotten about Fred Kitta penciling Spider Man, and I, I'm surprised I did because his Spider Man was the one that I first saw in the comic strips. In the newspaper, my uh, my grandma and grandpa got the newspaper every day, and I they always handed me the comics section, and I read that Spider-Man strip every single day. And his Spider-Man was the first I saw. I I got to the uh, strip after Romita Senior had left, but he did an excellent job, and I. I did a little Google image search when I saw that he passed away. Mark Evanier uh, posted on his blog, which I highly recommend that, newsfromme.com. I read that every day. I love his stuff. I, I got hooked on him with the Comic Buyers Guide. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I just Google image search Spider-Man and Fred Kidd and a whole bunch of his strips from the 80s. And I just had flashbacks of memories. And one particular one I, ca- I came across... Uh, 
he Spider-Man proposes to Mary Jane in the early 80s in the strip, and I'd forgotten about that. And and also, Mary Jane wasn't a fashion model in the, in the newspaper strip. She went to work for a computer uh, company selling like apples and <laughs> like PCs. I, I, Aunt I May ran that nine hundred number out of the, uh, the boarding <laughs> house. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Bailey, did you read the the newspaper strip back in the day? Uh, I never had a paper near me that had it. So uh, I remember Mm -hmm. that the only time I ever really remember seeing it was one day I was visiting my aunt. And uh, I looked in her paper, and they, I was like, hey, it's a Spider-Man strip. She's like, yeah, they run that every day, because she lived near D.C. So it's kind of a bigger paper. But uh, no, I... uh, I would have liked to have read it when I was a kid because I was I was one of those kids that read a lot of uh, comic strips and such. Uh, yeah. You know, in the paper uh, when it came, you know, every day I had my favorites. I was a big fan of Bloom County and Calvin and Hobbes and. Uh, oh yeah. When I was short, yeah. uh, which I I don't know if anybody really remembers that one, but when I was short was a brilliant brilliant comic strip. I never read that one. One of my favorites, uh, along with reading Spider-Man, was uh, Mother Goose and Grimm. I, I actually put uh, a cartoon of Mother Goose and Grimm on your Facebook the other day, Bailey. Yeah, I like that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Fred Kidd, uh, 93 years old, uh, drew a hell of a Spider-Man that I think not many members of the Spider-Man community know about. So may rest in peace on that one. Uh, another story, well, we're going to not end on a sad note. I want to tell a funny story real quick. I went to the uh, St. Louis Wizard uh, Comic Con. And uh, one of the guests there was uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, <laughs> I didn't the know you liked him. The chin himself. I love the Bruce chin Campbell. himself. He is absolutely, absolutely hysterical. He's one of those men that makes you wish you were a woman, Brad. You know, and no. um, <laughs> <laughs> he. I, I put on the front page the panel that he did with Ted Raimi, who was the uh, the assistant in the Daily Bugle in the in the three Spider-Man movies by Raimi. Uh, and he was also uh, – Ted is also Sam's brother, hence the last name Ramey. Anyway, uh, Bruce Campbell did a great panel on Saturday. And my wife and I were there for all three days. And uh, we were parking on Sunday. Uh, we were driving around the America Center. We were looking for parking. And off in the distance, walking towards the convention center, because I'm in a car driving down a road near the convention center, I see a man in a red sport coat. And I say to my wife, oh, you know, that's a good-looking coat. I can spot that like a mile away. And as we got closer, I'm like, holy crap, that's Bruce Campbell. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're driving, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Bruce Campbell. So I'm, I'm driving. I'm very distracted at this point. I'm like, I'm like man-crushing. You're getting odd and bothered. I am. I'm, my face is as red as his red coat, and, and I'll put on the, the show notes on the message board what this coat looks like. He's cuddling Nathan Fillion in this picture. Uh, and so I'm like, my God, Wendy, it's it's uh, Bruce Campbell. So I, I roll my window down, and I go, hey, Bruce. <laughs> and his assistant, who he was walking with, whipped his head so fast, I, I thought he was going to hurt his head. And Bruce didn't flinch. He just kept walking. <laughs> He j- I totally got ignored by Bruce Campbell. I'm like, oh, damn. And so I immediately hung a left up a one-way street. But <laughs> I ran a hole with my car. No, yelling, I, Bruce Campbell, you will pay attention to me. I love you, Bruce Campbell. How dare you ignore me? And you, you reversed. Bruce Campbell. I'm like, hey, Bruce. Oh, shit. Is what the word, uh, that's pretty much how it went down. 
So I went up a, a one-way street. I immediately had to zip around. I stopped traffic <laughs> because of Bruce Campbell. So I thought, if I ever run into the guy, I'm going to say, I almost died because of your stardom. So anyway. anyway that's oh, my... yeah, you were that guy stalking me in the, in the anyway. 76 Impala. <laughs> why, am I, oh. why am I never going back to St. Louis? broken me from that. Didn't, didn't you get the restraining order? Oh, I guess I'm a Bru- uh, well, If if they're clonies, what's a Brucey? Well, that's there. It is. It's a Brucey. Yeah. I'm a, and a Bruce. 